Washington. Belgian Crane Yard Studios is at 2011 Tracy Avenue, GCMO. Shop handcrafted wonders from over 75 local artisans, including painting, ceramics, Christmas ornaments, leatherwork, candles, baked goods, trendy custom clothing, home decor, jewelry, and more. Created by Art Garden KC with new vendors to explore each weekend. Also enjoy the festive ambiance with live music, talented muskers, with live performances by the Kansas City Women's Chorus and many other local talents on the community stage. Open weekends from 10 till 5, now until Christmas, in historic City Market Square, 20 East 5th Street, CMO. For more information on these and many other events in our area, go to kkfi.org slash artskcgo. This is Maria Vasquez-Boyd, and you're listening to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. For Art Speak Radio on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. I'm Maria Vasquez Boyd. We've got Paulina Otero in the studio along with Doug Drake. So stick around. We'll be right back. Happy Wednesday. It is October or December or November. I can't remember which. It is December. And uh, we're so happy to have you here with us on Artspeak Radio, listening to us live on uh, kkfi.org. We're streaming live there or on your radio or phone, whatever. So we're happy to have you here. I want to say that our first guest is just so extremely talented. Paulina Otero is a Mexican artist who focuses on making jewelry and tufted wall hangings that are abstract representations of her experiences in her home country, Mexico. She references home by using colors and forms and textures inspired by architecture, nature, and traditional textiles. Now, Paulina has a major interest in combining industrial and domestic materials such as yarn and felt, wood, and plexiglass to inspire a desire to touch. By combining all of these elements, she expresses her feelings of nostalgia towards a particular time and place during her childhood. Her materials exploration is constantly evolving as she learns new techniques. Now, her work is in places like the St. Louis Art Guild, the Yeiser Art Center, and the Appalachian Center for Craft. She has also developed a jewelry brand that has been sold in local venues such as the Kemper Museum, Madewell, Deer Society, and many other indie craft fairs in the Midwest. 
Now, during the summer 2022, Paulina attended a middle's workshop at Penland School for Craft. Paulina is currently based out of Kansas City, Missouri, but spends a lot of time in Mexico as well. We're happy to have you here today, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, you know, a lot of times people ask me, how do I find my guests? Who, how do I get people on the show? And sometimes it's, it's through uh, events on Facebook or someone tells me about a friend or, or this, this sort of thing. And I always keep my eye open on, on Instagram and that sort of thing. But this time it was Madeline Rislow from the Toy Miniature Museum who said uh, I was admiring her earrings and she told me about you. So when I looked at your website, it's like you've got some terrific, terrific designs on online, jewelry and tufting and, and all of that. How did your interest in the arts begin? My interest in the arts began from a very young age. Since I was eight years old, I was doing drawing classes. My training began in a very traditional way, which was drawing with graphite, charcoal, oil painting. And my parents always took me to art museums. So I always appreciated art and was very interested in it. I took a lot of arts and crafts workshops and then eventually I went to an arts boarding school in Idlewild, California, and that's where it kind of all became more serious in a way. At first, I didn't think it was going to be my career, but then when I started to realize, oh, I guess I do have (laughs) a real talent here, and I was obviously very passionate about it. It kind of all just kept going and led me to Kansas City because I went to the Kansas City Art Institute. I thought I was going to get my undergrad in painting, but I actually ended up going for Fiverr because it was something that I just didn't really knew anything about. I was extremely curious. Um, So it was foundations year really where I was able to take a workshop with an instructor. Her name is Rena Wood. She's also an alumni from the fiber department. And I learned how to crochet, how to knit, how to weave. And then from there, it kind of just went on and on. But in terms of the jewelry was something that I grew up doing with my mom. It was more of a hobby for us and a time where we would sit down and spend time together and choose kind of like different materials and experiments. So jewelry kind of came into my life towards the end of my undergrad. So it was, I couldn't really escape from it. Everyone was very (laughs) interested in the jewelry. I mean, I also love textiles and I still try to make textiles more as a free art form but jewelry kind of became a way to really make a living as an artist and I love it because there is so much experimentation that can also go into jewelry design and I can apply my knowledge as a textile artist into the way I design and I think about texture and shape and all of those all of those things but making it wearable well you know I, I when I look at your website and I'll share with our listeners it is uh, shop Paulina Otero.com uh, you know there's so many different collections there's your art objects which are just really lovely um, you know and and you have you're not just about the jewelry but you're like I said uh, you have the art objects you have the uh, cover linear collection um, that are 
mainly for uh, spe- very special jewelry. Uh, you know, some really wonderful hair pieces, hair clips, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of variety in that. Do you find that it's you challenging yourself or finding a new material and saying, ooh, what can I make with this? I think it's a variety of things. Mm. Um, in the last year or so, I've been trying to listen to my customers more, and also I get bored really quickly. <laughs> so people ask if I do certain things, and then I'm also experimenting in the studio constantly. So one thing just leads to the other. It's a very intuitive process. So for example, with some of my newest art objects, I was actually creating a gift for my sister's wedding and she wanted some sort of sculptural piece, but that was also functional. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking about vases, flowers, and then came to the idea of a propagation vase, but that was still very much responding to the shapes that I that I commonly use in my work and then sculpting the acrylic. So trying to maybe stick to the same material but find different ways of using this material. Mm-hmm. So then from there, the propagation vases happen and now everyone is crazy about them and it's just a new, a new product and... Sometimes I make things, people love it. Sometimes I make things and, you know, maybe people don't love it as much, but it's always just constantly creating new things and experimenting, and I think that's what really keeps mm-hmm. me going. Well, I, I think it's it's really lovely how you uh, put your work together uh, with different shapes and different materials, and I, I love that uh, what, I, what I see is often very organic and 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 playful and just uh, bright and wonderful with your acrylic pieces um do you now your your the ones that you said were the flower the propagation vases yes, yes. um so that's a larger piece of of plastic or acrylic that you're working with is that very difficult to work with in at that size or is it more difficult with a smaller piece because i think what is it laser cut yes okay. yeah I I mostly use a laser cut I design everything well first I start with a drawing and then from there I vectorized all of my mm. designs mm-hmm. digitally that way I can have everything as a line drawing and then I go into the laser cut and I have to figure out the right setting speed to cut or engrave the material that I'm using I would say working larger scale, like with the propagation vases, there is a lot of reject pieces. Mm. uh, So I have to contemplate, you know, there's some waste material when I'm trying to bend the acrylic. Mm -hmm. With the smaller earrings that have a lot of different colors and textures, and some of the earrings that I make that are more intricate have engraving, and I go in and paint all of the little designs, those I would say are more time consuming and very detail oriented. So there's also, Mm. I have to be in the right mindset to be able to create those more time intensive pieces and really sit down and take my time attaching all the components and painting and being careful that I I don't make a mess. Um, (laughs) There's also some rejects, but I hate being wasteful. So for sometimes I will do something called mystery boxes so people can actually purchase the pieces that are maybe rejects that are still 
100% wearable, but maybe they're not perfect. So yeah, I mean, there is a lot of sampling and testing and all of that goes into the process. Now, how long have you been making the, the different earrings and jewelry items? I would say since junior year of college. So now I graduated <laughs> three years ago. So I guess probably five years that I've been working with acrylic. And when I started, it was all using scrap materials that yeah, I had from yeah. projects. I just didn't want to waste anything. And I taught myself how to use a laser cut, how to vectorize. I was in the Fab Lab. Shout out to the Fab Lab staff at KCAI <laughs> because I would go there and I'd be like, teach me, please. How do I do this? So wow, just wow. like that, it just happened. And you know, years later, obviously, I've perfected my craft and I redeveloped new new mm -hmm. designs, new ideas. So I think by nature, just sticking to the same technique, mm -hmm. just I've gotten better throughout the years and new ways of reinventing the material. Well, and speaking of the material, I mean, you have, we, we've been talking about acrylic and, and all that, but there's a quite a range of materials that you use, right? Yes, I've also done other collections using wood and wow. shell veneer. I'm also very drawn to natural stones. Pearls are always something that I'm hunting for. There's something so special and feminine about pearls. I don't know why. I don't know if it's the fact that I grew up by the ocean and I always mm. think of like oysters and things like that. I think of pearls and I like to have maybe an artificial component and a natural component. So it just it just keeps reoccurring throughout my collections and my work. And fiber, I would say, could be an in-between because there's, of course, natural fibers and there's also artificial fibers. And I usually do a combination of both and I think each one has its own qualities mm -hmm. and I enjoy working with with both of those. Well when you when you talk about the pearls and that you grew up near the ocean where was it that that you grew up? I was born in Cancun, Mexico oh, and everyone in Kansas nice. City asked me why I'm here. <laughs> I, I don't know it just was life it happened like yeah, that. Yeah. So I have a very special connection to the ocean and sure. I've made a lot of collections that resemble this idea of of being underwater and thinking about fish and the underwater vegetation oh, yeah. and algaes and sometimes I'll try to grab those elements and create my own version of those because with a lot of my work it's abstract but it does come from hmm. from a place and I just kind of create my own version of it if that makes sense. Sure sure well and, and right now as I'm looking at at your website I'm looking at the festive mobile earrings and they're yeah, very yes. colorful and wonderful. And and I'm noticing certain motifs that I think are maybe uh, related to Mesoamerica, yeah? Yes, so the mobile earrings came from a series of mobiles that I made for Charlotte Street Foundation. Mm -hmm. Last year, I was commissioned to create an installation for their gala event. And I really wanted to look into Mayan culture because mm. growing up in, in the peninsula, I was always very exposed to Mayan culture and I was always very intrigued by all the symbolism and 
and things that are part of Mayan culture. So I went back and I was looking at a lot of the symbols and things that you find on the pyramids, on the facades. And then from there, I was able to dissect, I would say, maybe the shapes that I was the most drawn to, each one representing different things like the Mayan calendar, mm -hmm. a shell, and the sun and the ball game. So different elements yeah. like that. And then from there, I created the mobiles. It was a combination of all these different shapes. And I think I used maybe eight different types of acrylic. And then from there, I had those mobiles, but now I'm, I've sold out out of those mobiles. And I was like, well, what if I create some earrings that resemble that? But I've also launched a new website and a new branding. So I wanted to create a new version of those mobiles, but wearables. Mm -hmm. So you can see some earrings that are like pyramids. And they have a bunch of tiny pearls dangling from them. So in a way, it's almost like making Mayan culture fashion. And I don't think that. I've seen anything like that before. No. So <laughs> it's also in a way for me to show that I'm very proud of where I come from and for other people that might have Mexican heritage also to relate to that. So I love that. You know, if uh, if I could ask you to share any of your social media platforms for so people can take a look uh, on the different uh, social medias. Yes, definitely. I would say I am mostly active on Instagram. I've tried to be more consistent at TikTok, but I just love Instagram <laughs> and that's where a lot of people find yeah. me. So my Instagram is at Paulina underscore Otero underscore. And that's how you can find me on both Instagram and TikTok. And that's where you will see me sharing every single day. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And then again, when we talked in the green room, your work can be found at a few local shops too, right? Yes. So I started my business online during COVID, but now I have a few locations where you can find my work. Okay. Uh, the main one being Garden House Shop, which is a coffee shop slash plant shop in Rosedale, Kansas on Southwest Boulevard. Okay. I have a booth in there where you can go find all of my pieces. And I also have a lot of things at West Bottoms. Uh, West Bottoms. I blanked on the name. It's, <laughs> it's 12th Street Post and, oh, West Bottoms Planco. And in there, you can also find a lot of my jewelry. We love that because it, it's fun. It's it's great to wear. It's really lovely, handmade, beautiful work. And, and again, um, I would share with you Palina's website, shop Palina Otero. Dot com for more information. You can find out all about her. And I just have one other question for you. Um, any materials that you're looking forward to maybe trying out or, or kind of, mm, I'm going to give this a shot, in whatever material that is. Hmm. Is there something that you would like to work with that you haven't? I think I would in the future love to continue developing my metalsmithing skills. That's something that I started in 2022, but it's a whole new technique for oh, me. Uh -huh. So taking more workshops and trying to find new ways to apply that to my work. 
Lovely. Very lovely. Thank you so much for joining us today, being on air with me on Artspeak Radio. And hopefully we'll see you back again in 2024, right? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. You bet. And we're going to be right back with Artspeak Radio after this. Give the gift they will talk about for years to come. A KKFI guest DJ certificate. A one-time donation of $200 or a monthly sustaining donation of $16.67 will get your loved one an hour to share their musical taste on the local music program of their choice. A board operator will be provided. They will even get a recording of their DJ experience. Go to kkfi.org and click on the donation button or call 816-931-3122 for more information. Did you know Kansas City passed a ban-the-box ordinance in 2018? Have you been asked about your felony conviction on an application for employment or rental housing? If so, we want to know by who. Please contact the re-entry subcommittee of KC360 at 816-231-0217 and let's help end this discrimination. This message is a public service of KKFI. And we're back. This is Artspeak Radio, and I'm so happy that you've joined us on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Uh, we, we stream live at kkfi.org, so thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, up next, we have Doug Drake, and Doug Drake has been an art collector since 1968 and a dealer, curator, arts administrator, and appraiser since 1974. He owned and operated the Douglas Drake Gallery in Kansas City from 1974 until 1985, then the Douglas Drake Gallery in New York City until 1995. He is a full-time private dealer, consultant, and appraiser from his Kansas City home. His art business has focused on 20th century art and post-war American art, contemporary art, and photography, as well as 19th century American painting and the arts of Africa, Southeast Asia, and Native America. We want to say welcome, Doug, and happy birthday, my friend. Uh Thanks, Maria. (laughs) You bet. You know... uh, Talking, talking with Doug, uh, you know, we found out that we really have a love for jazz, invited him to the show to really present some of the, the works that he really loves. Now, I know you said you're not um, a huge jazz, you know, you know, you know a lot about jazz, but I think... Not a connoisseur. Yeah, and, and I think with, with jazz, I think it's it's like art. You know what you like, and you you just go with that and find out what you know, what you can about the artist or the song or that sort of thing. So you've got a great lineup of, of music today, some jazz, right? Well, yes. Now, I just I just turned 80, so there may be a number of listeners out there that... I could have sworn you were a lot a, younger. ...have a parallel uh, experience. Yeah. But, you know, I was I was born at a fabulous time for music to, to be absorbed Sure. I was 12 in 1955 and 18 in 1961. So those years of junior high and high school, basically, were the music just exploded. Uh, a lot of people are used to this by now, but you know, in 50, as early as 54, Elvis was, uh, you know, published, broadcast. There's Bo Diddley, James Brown, Chuck Berry. Uh, Buddy Holly, Jerry Lee Lewis, 
I mean, the drifters, the coasters, yeah. it just was, they just kept coming, even before 1959, let's say. Uh, and uh, blues was, was uh, sort of, you know, burgeoning then, mm -hmm. too, in terms of Jimmy Reed, Muddy Waters, John Lee Hooker. Um, now, the, the, the blues then could have been heard on uh, KPRS. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. The, the, that was a staple. But mm -hmm. uh, I, I mention all that rock and roll, <coughs> excuse me, because that's the way a number of us sort of got into jazz. And as a specific example, uh, we're going to play uh, a piece by Ray Charles that was uh, I didn't hear it till uh, 1959 when he had such a great hit with "What'd I Say" mm -hmm. uh, on the on the rock side of things, and I just had to listen to everything he sang. So I got into his old albums and found this fantastic album in 1957 called "The Great Ray Charles," which was totally jazz, as were another couple of of albums of his but so i got in i get it i got in through you know uh uh our dancing uh, social social dancing parties and stuff like that into ray charles and from that back to jazz so that was one of my first uh encounters mm -hmm. yeah you know um th this this list is very eclectic and i love hearing the backstory of how you discovered these artists and, and these songs and all that because uh, it is just an interesting story and and really uh it's timeless i mean a lot of people i'm, I'm sure find some commonplace in that well i listened to this when i was this age and that sort of thing well that's one reason yeah. i like jazz yeah it, it is yeah. timeless uh, and I mean, there's a lot of early jazz I'm not that familiar with. Sure, sure. Uh, so, should we go ahead and play this? Sure. Okay, this, so. The Ray, is 1957, is when it was recorded. Thank you. 
Hi, I'm Russ Simmons. And I'm Susan Sanders. And this is Take Two, two takes at a movie currently playing in theaters or streaming. Leave the World Behind is another fascinating Netflix film. It's a dystopian story about the end of America or the end of the world as we know it. Or is it? Susan, the movie's ambiguity is one of its more intriguing and frustrating aspects. It establishes a sense of disquiet and unease that uh, may give flashbacks to many folks who lived through 9-11. Two Oscar winners, Julia Roberts and Mahershala Ali, lead the cast, along with Ethan Hawke, and Kevin Bacon shows up in a small role as a creepy survivalist. First, there are ships, a big one, crashing on the beach. Planes falling out of the sky, no Wi-Fi, no phone service. Flamingos are flying to New York. The various speculations by the characters on Long Island run from A to Z. Right. No one seems to know for sure what's going on, and for the most part, neither does the viewer. Could this be caused by China, an attack from Iran, Cuba, or have we done it to ourselves? This very bleak movie is a kind of interesting cinematic experiment from Sam Ismail, who's probably best known as the creator of the hit series Mr. Robot. Robert's character is an irritating misanthrope, so warming up to her and her plight may uh, pose a problem for viewers. The tempo is unrelenting and full of tension. It's an unpleasant tension throughout, and the music is loud and intrusive. And it has some unintentionally funny moments. Should you watch this? Heck yeah. It's creepy, but thematically tries to cover too much ground. I'm Russ Simmons. And I'm Susan Sanders. And this is Take Two. Maria Vasquez-Boyd here on 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. This is Art Speak Radio. Every Wednesday from noon to one, we're happy that you're listening to us today, making time for us um, in your busy day. Hey, we've got that wonderful Douglas Drake here. Hello, Hello, friend. Maria. Yeah, yeah. We're listening to Doug's, some of Doug's favorite tunes, uh, jazz tunes, and we just heard the Ray and uh, Ray Charles, right? Yeah. yeah. 1957. Now, that's that's the earliest recording on, on my list here. And wow. most of the others are 58 and 59. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fertility of that of those years was, was incredible and mind-boggling. And I didn't realize what dates a lot of these were until mm-hmm. I looked them up f- yeah. for the purpose of this show. Well, but you know, it's amazing. You know, and I have to ask you, are, are you a musician yourself? No, I'm and, not. And it really doesn't matter, I mean, because you know what you like in, in terms of a listener uh, of, of music of any genre. Well, that's right. And, yeah. you know, uh, rock and blues are, are, in a sense, more natural uh, to take and and enjoy because they relate more to a heartbeat. They relate more to your body and dancing and so on and so forth. And that's that was you know my story with rock, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm I'm still deeply involved in, in, in listening to rock and blues. And yeah. thank gosh for KKFI. Uh, Jazz was hard to hear then, mm-hmm. unless you, yeah. you know you had a friend recommend it, uh, or or kind of squirreled your own way through the research from dancing to Ray Charles. 
but there were a, a f- couple of programs on TV, uh, but uh, there was no jazz yeah. on on air. You know, and and that's one of the things that that we love about you, uh, Doug, is because you've always been a fan of KKFI, and that's ah. you know we we offer a lot of variety, and and you know um, you know we have jazz, we have rockabilly, we have blues, we have a K-pop. I mean, there's such a variety, but. Out of this, you know, uh, you you were able to maybe tune in and, and broaden your jazz horizons. Absolutely. Now, yeah. yes, yeah. No, Tell I'm, me. Uh, so, what are we going to hear next? What you can hear next is, uh, uh, you know, one of my just great great loves of of jazz, uh, and that's uh, by Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers called, and a lot of people will recognize this, it's called Monin. Okay.
Puzzled by the news? Wanting to learn more? Understanding Israel-Palestine airs every Friday at 9.30 a.m. Locally produced but focused on national and international events, the hosts of UIP interview scholars, journalists, activists, and others about the ongoing conflict in Israel-Palestine. Once again, that's Understanding Israel-Palestine every Friday morning at 9.30 a.m. on KKFI. If you or someone you know is suffering from thoughts of suicide, you can dial the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988 or go to 988lifeline.org. This is a public service announcement of 90.1 FM KKFI. Artspeak Radio on 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio is on right now. Maria Vasquez Boyd here. Thanks so much for joining us. We have Doug Drake, who's giving us these wonderful songs this afternoon. Uh, happy birthday, Doug. We're happy that you're here. Thank you, Maria. I'm glad to be here. You bet. So uh, we just heard Monin, and that was by Art Blakely and the Jazz Messengers, right? Yes, and it was written by Bobby Timmons, who's the pianist in that group, or was at that time. And uh, there'll be another uh, piece later written by the same guy, which really surprised me and delighted me that two of my favorite longer pieces, like nine and ten minutes, were written by Bobby Timmons. And it just fantastic. Well, it was a great day. You know, and Paulina's here, and, and she was saying uh, that how great it is to listen, what, to jazz today? Yeah, I love that I can learn about new songs. They're not new songs, but they might be new to me or the younger generation. So thanks for sharing that. this awesome music. Very nice, Paulina. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great. So, Doug, what are we going to listen to next? Uh, what did you decide? Uh, well, I think, Ahmad Jamal, yeah, bless but, his heart, but not he died at this past April, and he was uh, not exactly a loner, but I think a trio was maybe the largest group that he had, and uh, he was. I learned about him from a friend, a, a good friend, Bob Arms, and his older brother Richard, who uh, the two of them together. Uh, had a kind of a bead on what was brand new in uh, blues and and uh, uh, jazz as well. Terrific. Let's take a listen, shall we? Thank you. 
just a wonderful rendition right it was oh my gosh i'm hearing how i uh in those three at least i've there's a uh uh huge role for piano and all those pieces and that's that's probably correct uh i i also enjoyed oscar peterson and a, a number of of pianists almost by themselves so Excellent. You know, uh, we have time for one more, Doug, and uh, these are Doug's favorites that you've been listening to, and uh, tell us what we're going to hear next. Well, I think Dave Rubeck yeah. uh, from 19, I, my, the, the, the cut you're playing I think might be later, but I, I can't remember, but it was uh, first recorded in 59, and even if you hadn't listened to him before, by the way, uh, Brubeck and... Uh, a couple of these others, Stan Getz coming up. Miles, we're in Miles Davis group uh, before 1959. So some of them are, you know, graduates. Uh, and that was typical of jazz uh, people getting together for ensembles, sometimes short term groupings. But uh, it was like, uh, similar maybe to the super group uh, era of of uh, rock and roll people. Beautiful. Are you ready? Brubeck. Let's hear it. Thank you. 
We made it, Doug. We made it. Great. Yay. Thank Super you so you. very much Thanks. for these wonderful tunes today. And happy birthday. You know, that's one of my favorites, along with, you know, some others that, that he performed, uh, Blue Rondo a la Turk. So thank yes. you so much for joining us today. Oh, happy to do Yeah. Do you it. know, we got to get out of here quickly, but I want to say stay tuned for Jeff Harshbarger. We love our Jeff Harshbarger. Man, this is going to be an extension of what he's going to do for you, play jazz well, just all I'm, afternoon. I'm not going to get his job anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> we love jazz and we love our Jeff. So one to three, Jeff Harshbarger. I want to say thank you so much to Paulina Otero and uh, Doug Drake. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, I want to say, honey, I'm coming home. Thanks for listening. <laughs>